Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new episode of Real World Education Podcast. Our mission here is to challenge and change the education system using an inside-out approach, and we hope that you become a better leader and a producer rather than just a student or an employee. Our aim here is to interview industry experts and leaders each week with the hope that you can come to the realization that life is so much more than what is being currently taught to us by the society and the education system and we hope that this podcast provides you with inspiration with motivation and actionable insights so that you too can not only challenge and change the status quo but also create your own definition of success so just diversify just two or three areas within your realm for example like two or three areas like if you're for example if you are now in HR like you need to sorry in marketing you need to understand behavioral science you need to understand psychology that's what's going to make you different from every other more digital marketing person out there right like personal how can you develop personalized approach to your customers mm-hmm. right if you're in HR you need to understand how AI you need to how to pro, you need to know how to program AI you need to know how to how to um, work with it in a way that it's going to uh, how can you use technology to make your recruitment process smoother right mm-hmm. so if you're not doing that as an HR person you lose the competitive ex- exactly and if you're you know and if you're just an HR that's like payroll it's not enough it's not enough you're losing your competitive edge and the likelihood is you're not going to make it past a certain level mm-hmm. of your career that's a fact and and, and you know, some people say well that's just too much like do we just do everything and my answer is at some point yes like we, <laughs> uh, if you want to succeed if you want to reach wherever you want it's it's the competition is too high. Mm-hmm. The competition is too high, and you need to make time for these things. And when we uh, do productivity sessions with with my startup, uh, 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 Bessern, what we do is that when we start breaking down people's days in terms of where what they spend their time on, we spend a lot of time procrastinating and doing things we shouldn't be doing that's not really leading to our goals mm-hmm. and that's because it's associated with the way our brain operates because we usually procrastinate because we, it's an emotional thing we don't want to uh, it's it's not because we're lazy that's mm-hmm. not that's the, that's what people say like oh, it's because you're lazy or you can't focus no it's because you're just there, there there's a lot of emotions that go into doing a particular task yeah. and you're 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 maybe it's a fear of something or you don't know something so you start to procrastinate sure. so it's um it's about making time for these things. And that's brilliant. I love the fact that you brought in how you need to make time for, uh, you know, things that matter to you in your industry. So I did an episode with uh, Hala Taha and she hosts the Apple Top 10 um, uh, Young and Profiting Podcast, right? And uh, she, apart from podcast, she has a full-time job. She has a freelance marketing project. She has a marketing uh, company now, and she's involved in two, other, two, three other things, like managing interns for the podcast and so much more. So the, she, the, her advice was, and I did a video on this on my LinkedIn as well, it's being, you, instead of using um, busyness as a proxy for productivity, you need to start figuring out exactly where you're you know spending your time and avoid wasting your time it's just as simple so just analyze your day from the moment you get up to the moment you you know go to bed where is your time exactly going and i'm sure like before starting the podcast i was working on a start i was working on a startup and i was like do i have time for a podcast do i have time for say linkedin 52 week challenge and then i remembered the episode and i looked at it and i was like okay let's see where i'm spending time 
I figured out not only can I, f- you know, do work on the startup, I can do the podcast, I can do the LinkedIn 52 week challenge. I can also, you know, research about a book that I want to write. I can also, you know, uh, start the online courses that I want to do. So we all have the same amount of time. It's just how proactive you are with your time. That's what really makes a difference. So I love that. And, and, and you know what's interesting is that also uh, it's people think that, and this is where the brain science comes in a bit, right? So people think that when we have something to achieve, it needs to be this big thing and etc. And the goal can begin, the, the dream can be big, right? Like I'm a total advocate, like dream big. But then when you're looking at realistically, can you reach this dream? You need to break it down to small pieces. And when we're talking about uh, uh, tasks like productivity, right? It's literally scheduling like one hour a day for this particular thing and making time for specific things. And it can be literally increments of like 20, 30 minutes. And that adds up mm-hmm. big time. And there are times, and, and there's, I don't really believe in necessarily balance, I just believe in priorities. And something I heard yesterday, and I just loved it, Mark Cuban, he was, somebody asked him, I think it was one of his Twitter things, and somebody asked him, you know, how do you balance the work-life, work-life balance being, in a, being a business friend? He said, you don't. He was like, when I was starting off on my business, he was like, I was working 17 days a week, 17, days, uh, 17 hours a day, sorry, seven days a week, right? But now, he said, now I'm comfortable, I'm rich, and I can, I can spend time with my kids whenever I want to. But he said, but when I was starting off, mm-hmm. right? So it, we need to understand that there's certain priorities in our lives. And, and this goes back to, you know, what are you spending your time on? Because time goes well like this. Exactly. And it's a matter of, you know, where are you in your life? And when I meet these mid-level to senior level professionals, and they're not where they are, they want to be in their life because they never made time. And I'm talking 30 minutes a day, an hour a week, two hours a week. It doesn't need to be this gigantic changes because our brain doesn't register that big of a change anyway. It's too much, it's too heavy. So increments, small daily habits and routines, Mm -hmm. that is how you stay consistent. And if you stay consistent and disciplined, you will reach your goals. It's just as simple, but you know, we, I think we, there's a quote which said, we underestimate our ability to do work in a month and we always overestimate our ability to do work in a day. You know what I mean? So we think, okay, in one day I'm going to do the, I'm going to achieve everything. And then, but if you look at the long-term perspective, you know, you want to take in the long-term perspective because that's on, that's when you make any progress. But if you, if you're in anything for like, so my podcast i'm being very honest i get like 30 40 listens an episode and i was like okay i'm gonna start making fifty thousand, you know downloads and everything it just doesn't work like that you know you have to have a long-term perspective otherwise you give up exactly you just need to you need to focus on progress progress over perfection and it's just anything else it's just when you go to the gym you're not going to see results in a month or two months and, and this goes back to self-awareness because another point I've noticed about individuals I work with is that we focus on the wrong goals. We don't know why we're setting specific goals. They're usually driven from external, like extrinsic motivation. It's not internal. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a big challenge. And yeah. that's because, again, it goes back to the education system, which is an issue, right? Because we're told what to do, how to do it, etc. But we are not, or you know, to continuously, answers were continuously given to us, and then you get into the workplace, and then your boss is sort of telling you, you know, in a way like, this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. So we never take time and say, what do I want? Mm-hmm why should I do it? You know, the what and how is always told to us. The why, we never figure it out. 
So, you know, uh, we also discussed like there's a big disconnect between the theory and the real life. So what is your advice for, say, students um, that to sort of ensure that they, so they start solving real world problems and engage in, say, meaningful and relevant work uh, that will benefit them when they enter the real world? Sure, so experiment. If I were to put, like, just experiment, I really think there's magic in just experimenting. And if you don't know what you want to do, think about what you like. Just start basics. Like, what is it that you like? Like, just, you know, throw like a bunch of post-its, whatever you want to call it, right? Like, write down everything that you like to do and then see where can you do it? Where can you add value? Who can you spend time with? And you're not too busy. <laughs> like, this is what I want to tell you. You're not too busy, right? And and if you are busy, I would just reevaluate, re you know, what is it that you're busy with? With. and it takes hard work and that's what I think is another thing that when we're you know uh, the younger generation is coming up and I have two younger sisters as well one's 17 one's 21 and a 10 year old niece and I can tell you that the sheltering that goes into place you know like my parents I tell my parents they're like my gosh I was taking the bus at 10 years old to go across the city and you don't even let them you know so the sheltering that happens uh, to the younger generations uh, is um, not helping them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't see this as something helping. I'm so glad that when we were growing up, and you know, and, and originally I'm from Russia, so when we were growing up in like the, the the Soviet Union state, basically, and like although it was it was safer maybe in some areas, but mm -hmm. we were able to go like across city. Literally, at ten years old, we go across the big city on our own. We would take we would walk to school on our own. There was no, you know, we would we would we would really find our own way. And I think that at the end of the day, like you need to. Uh, experiment and experiment because yes can you also find like coaches and mentors to help you guess I'm a huge fan of that I think we should but nothing beats hands-on experience nothing beats you actually you know getting up the courage and curiosity to, to go and knock on people's doors and saying listen I would love to work for you um, you know I'd love to do it for free obviously you know like for volunteer as much time as you can spend volunteering, I mean, to this day, I do a lot of things for free as well because it gives me experience mm -hmm. as well, right? So aside from our business, like there's so many things that we deliver as well, uh, free of charge to learn, mm -hmm. to grow, to experiment. I'm telling you, like it's something that we need to practice continuously. Mm -hmm. So as as you know, as as young people, I think that you need to find, you need to be proactive, find the resources. So your parents might not have them and that's all right. My parents didn't when we moved to the US. I didn't have any advice in that space. Uh, but it's about, you know, just being curious and not being afraid. That's another thing. And, and, and get away from the laptop and the phone from time to time, right? Sure. <laughs> True, true, true. I love the thing you said about hard work. My father used to say, like, if you want to be, gold is valuable because it goes through so much. It's treated with such high intense heat. And that's when it shines and becomes gold. So I think uh, it is in somewhat true that we're sort of afraid of hard work. But if we can sort of start, and again, you know, it's baby steps. Start doing something that makes you uncomfortable. But little by little, I think you'll get used to, say, working hard and doing things that you're uncomfortable with. And over, you know, a year or two, you'll see such significant uh, benefits. You never know what will happen. Absolutely. And I think a part of that hard work, again, it builds character. And today, what makes me sad, another topic I really feel passionate about is that there's so many suicide, mental health cases of, of young generations of teenagers 
because we're so affected by what's happening by the social media and I really feel for them I cannot imagine I'm so glad like Instagram did not exist when I was being I don't know I'd probably be a different person you know and I love social media like I think it's it has a lot of value in technology in general but at the end of the day like these experiments these you know diving in and kind of being uncomfortable will build you that resilience and that sort of tough skin that you're going to need especially you know in specific areas of work it's very difficult it's very competitive it's not easy and it's, for those especially who want to go into entrepreneurship or the world of startups it's not easy and the biggest biggest part is and the hardest part is not the making the money you can make money you could then I mean, in this world you can really monetize in so many different ways you can make money you can sell you can do marketing you can do business development you can do your branding and pr the hardest part is your mindset and that nobody teaches you the only way you build that mindset of just resilient like just you wake up and there's days you're like i don't want to move this is depressing you know like you know so many things are happening and i feel so much pressure but if you have the right mindset you're going to overcome it and this is what we're not taught and because we're sheltered and i'm not saying you know go throw your kids in you know in the tigers then but what i'm saying is that give them a little bit of space as well to experiment and and kids need to be curious they need to want to experiment mm -hmm. and so it's again big questions big big problems to solve absolutely but i think these small things small things you count true i mean we're, uh, we're six minutes past our deadline in terms of future of education segment but finally what's your um, say utopian vision for the education system say in the next 10 years so listen i just i just hope that what, what i would like to see and what what we're working to also solve uh, as our startup and, and some of the work that we do is uh creating alternative pathways for for people because what's heartbreaking and why so I started in education then I went into the corporate training world and coaching and now I'm sort of more leaning back towards because that's where I can make an impact because I I just don't want to see more mid-level to senior level professionals completely disengaged at work disconnected dealing with uh, mental health issues because they're so stressed out not because of the pressure of the work because they don't know they don't enjoy their work and i'm not saying we all need to like you know uh, you know enjoy 100% and just be so happy it's unrealistic but we need to enjoy what we do we need to feel that we have a purpose we need to feel that we have some kind of mission and we need to align our mission with the company's mission and that's that's another disconnect. Companies don't align their mission with the individual. That's mm -hmm. how you motivate others. Sure. We're we're there's no there's very little trust in organizations, etc. So I would love to see an education system where we're focusing on something beyond theory, beyond just you know the popular uh, trendy jobs that, that are happening right now. But in fact, teaching people how to learn, how do you continue remaining curious? How do you make make time for these things and just well-being, just simple things as you know, just taking time to reflect, self-awareness. If there was any topic that needs to be in every year, in every school, in every classroom, self-awareness. It really starts with that. So, um, so I would just love to see. I would just love to see a little bit more. You know, beyond making the money and passing the test and creating a business out of education. Like I, I get it. Like business is business. We need to make money, but do it in a more sustainable in a more human and personalized approach absolutely that's amazing because uh, uh, you know i've been i'm working in the space education industry at the moment and i can and i have i know someone personally 
who's struggling because of all this. And it, it's heartbreaking because when we were growing up, schoolwork was like just, you know, schoolwork. We had other things. And now the person I know, they're so stressed out by school. It's the peers, the competition with peers, uh, not just uh, academically. It's more about, you know, whether do I look nice as my peers or not. Uh, it's such a mess. And I think, uh, you know, if we introduced, um, made, I mean, I usually don't like pushing people into something, but I think meditation as a practice should be made mandatory from a very early age because the world's going to change at such a rapid uh, pace in the next 10 years that um, if you're not self-aware, if you don't have the right mindset, the suicide rate would only climb and climb and climb. Yeah, no, meditation is, is good and it's fun because I think it was Mark Mencher that posted something about meditation and I said, and, and you know, and for me meditation is, yes, you can sit and have that five to ten minutes or, you know, even two minutes each morning, but then, um, you know, but I feel like also personally what works for me is, and I feel like it's a meditation sort, is going on that walk and this is where we kind of had this like discussion on Instagram and he said, he said, yes, but you know, meditation sitting down actually has a huge impact so that actual, you know, ten minutes of just peace and quiet but to me it's at the end of the day it's I think it's just finding what works for you and yes meditation I think is beautiful but then if if, if on the days that you can't do the 10 minutes you should be able to you should make time but can you just go for a walk like is that it for me that's a meditating state essentially mm -hmm. right so this is when I really like get in tune with myself is like walking um, you know or exercising or whatever it is right um, prayer for some people so absolutely, we need to we need to really embed these things um, because we're so distracted. And somebody like myself, even I talk a lot about well-being and I practice it. And there are days when I'm like, how did I get here? How like I need a moment. I literally need reminders. Um, so and 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 another point about well-being in schools. There's a huge push about well-being and mental health, and I think it's brilliant. But we also need to be mindful of how much we are sort of pampering our generation or and, and, and employees versus, listen, life is hard. There are gonna be days where you're gonna have a bad day. It does not mean you're necessarily depressed. It does not mean that, you know, something's, life is hard. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to be hard, but there are situations that it's just not gonna be pleasant. Absolutely. But it does not mean we need to go on. So we need to be very mindful because I think a lot of times, yes, if you sit there and say, you know what, I'm depressed, you probably are going, like, yes, there's clinical depression, there's specific cases, mm -hmm. but sometimes we overdo it mm -hmm. to where it's becoming this trend almost. And it's like no, you're you're just having a bad day. Like let's yeah. let's let's find a way to manage that, right? And um, so just we need to also be mindful uh, of 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 because it's a very thin line there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did the interview with Mark Metry, and he mentions that instead of um, meditation, ultimately should be part of your day. It should be, you know, it's not like you sit for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. And then when you get up, it's just all hell breaks loose. That shouldn't be the case. But what will happen, I presume, is when you start training uh, students from a very young age, it will become part of the day because they're all, always involved in it, right? And then introducing some walking meditation so that, you know, you incorporate in your daily habits, um, you know, consciously eating food is another thing, right? 
So let's let's hope that with you know a little bit of hard work, students you know don't have to remain in the education system for very long, and they transition to the work uh, work workforce. Now uh, we already discussed the skill gap where universities think their their graduates are very employable, but HR departments you know tell otherwise. And to make matters worse, uh, there is a um, individual called Dr. Kaifu Lee, and he is uh, so. Let me read this. So. Where the hell does this go? Google, Google. Yeah, so Dr. Kaifu Lee is a venture capitalist who sort of specializes in artificial intelligence. And he is also the co-chair of Artificial Intelligence Council for World Economic Forum Center uh, for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Now, it's, I think, suffice to say that he knows what he's talking about, right? And so according to him, up to 50% of all jobs will either be automated or disrupted by AI in the next 10, uh, in the next decade or so. So the point is we're kind of paying, say, universities, we're kind of paying an organization to provide us with the knowledge and skills that might not even exist in, say, a decade or so. So the question would be, what should students really do right now to ensure that they remain relevant for the future of work? Great question. Uh, and you know, it's funny, we also have, have a story with this. So when I was at the, I was at an event uh, uh, before COVID and there was universities there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I forget who it was on, on, the, on the panel and they were asking, uh, somebody asked the question like, what are you, what is the university doing to prepare you, you know, for the future uh, uh, majors? Like, what are the programs that you're doing? And one of the you know, big universities here, they said, oh, we're going to introduce data, mm -hmm. uh, uh, data uh, okay. analytics and, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and cybersecurity. And, and, and then when asked when, you know, and, and, and they just kind of went around the, because, because by the time universities introduce specific courses, like, cyber, like really future driven, they're going to be uh, irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So as a student, what I would say is I would look into, again, learn, trying to find some, like, don't do business administration, like, first of all, like, <laughs> if you don't know what to do, like, do economics, do something else, right? And I mean, I did international relations, by the way, so like, I'm no, like, I was also like, I just did a major that, you know, it is what it is. Because uh, it fit closely to what I like, um, but at the end of the day, like it didn't really like international relations, business administration, these sort of general majors don't really give you that much. So, a look at majors that might be uh, more future driven or skill based. Mm -hmm. So, uh, something like a skill. Where can you learn? Where can you differentiate yourself? But in addition to that. You need to first understand if university is for you, number one. First, ask yourself, should I even go to university? That's, that's where the schools come in, right? The, the, the advising at schools and the parents and the re, uh, research you do on your own. So number one, is a four-year university for you or should you go to a trade school? What do you really want to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think universities are great, but again, and I think majority of people are not the sort of, you know, uh, the entrepreneurs of this world, so they need that four-year degree, right? But at the end of the day, if you are pursuing a four-year degree, if you feel that's the right path, make sure you are, again, getting hands-on experience, testing, implementing, practicing, volunteering, join a startup, uh, uh, offer your services, shadow somebody, offer to, to find opportunities for yourself to experiment and in addition to that you need to continuously upskill yourself so not only getting a four-year degree what other that's hands-on experience so for example if you are in marketing like Chartered Institute of Marketing you need to look at the programs they have right because they give hands-on like experience um, certifications really skill-based right mm -hmm. 
looking at short-term programs as well that you can really get that those skills and in addition to that what it gives you is the network as well so exactly. network is a huge part so you need to you know you can have the best cv in the world that's what i tell people you can have the best cv in the world if nobody knows about you it's irrelevant Yeah, so basically, you know, you, we discussed this, how you need to uh, sort of supplement knowledge, theory with skills. And that's what will sort of differentiate you from the competition. Now, you know, we looked at the past, the present, and the future of education system. I mean, if we look at the present situation of the work, uh, workforce, it's even worse. So there's a report, and when I read it, I was kind of baffled because uh, it was a report by Gallup called The State of the Global Workplace. I'm sure everyone must have read it. So according to them, 10% of all employees are engaged with their jobs and 71% are disengaged. 71%. Can you imagine the untapped human capital every company has to deal with, right? So what are the, in your professional opinion, what are the causes behind this? And what can companies do to sort of ensure that the situation changes and changes quickly mm. uh, again there's two responsible parties here in this in this case is individual I think more than the company so and the reason individuals and this is actually the, the kind of population that I work with the mid-level to senior level professionals so most of my clients I focus a lot on career change and just change like change journeys in general and so many people that come to see me, they're looking for some kind of career change. Mm -hmm. And the conversation I'm having, and I mean, these are thousands of people at this point, you know? So the conversation I'm having is, I'm, I don't mean like what I do, but I've been doing it. I'm not sure why, but I realize now I don't want to do it anymore. And it's funny because it happens at mid-level, and that's because you graduate from university with this, you know, excited, you're going to, you're going to, you know, let's say you're an engineer or you're a marketeer or you're a finance person, etc. And... Um, and of course, you'll have to look at generational as well. So we were raised, like, if you're at that mid-level, you're raised by parents, and you're at that little, that kind of um, uh, sort of bridge between having a job for life, like that one job, to this new world where it's like you can change. It's, it's acceptable. It's to acceptable change. to change. So, so when it, so we, we go to university, we graduate with the degree. It's not about if we like it or not. It's just about making a salary, and then if you have debt being or something, being yeah, safe. being safe, exactly. Right, um, which we know is not the case. Like nobody's safe, nobody's protected. We can oh, see this with COVID. <laughs> a lot of people lost their jobs that were very comfortable and had very nice salaries and positions. So, um, so you know, we go to university that we get that first paycheck and then we're hooked. We get that first salary, we live beyond our means, and then it's a, it's a vicious circle. That then, and then we climb up the career ladder because well, we've been doing it. And I've, I've studied. I've spent four years studying this. I don't want to change. This is what I'm going to do. And then at mid level uh, to senior level, we kind get to a certain level and uh, like a title and we make good money maybe we've settled down with our family etc we sort of kind of you know feel like we've reached some level of success and we realize that's not enough mm -hmm. and this is when you're like oh I really need to change and I, I joke and I say this is when midlife crisis happens exactly. right so this usually happens at that time but 
So the individual here is, I think, more responsible than as, as a, a, a company because a company, especially if it's a big company, you, they cannot possibly give that personalized support to everybody unless they have the external uh, coaches or some kind of development programs that are really intense, right, in that sense. But on the individual side, I think what, what often happens is that reflection point, that self-awareness and reflection, and it needs to be continuous checking in with yourself, what am I doing, why am I doing it, and if I reach this goal, then what? Mm -hmm. When I, sometimes when I, when I talk to, with the younger students and I ask them, well, what do you wanna be? I wanna, I wanna own my own company, or I wanna be a CEO. Wonderful, and then what? Like, what's the purpose? Is it money, is it title, is it prestige? Because there's a lot of ways to make money. There's a lot of ways to reach yes, some kind of CEO like. CEO isn't the only way, yeah. Like, so so we need to redefine. Like, we need to stop looking at what is what is everybody else telling us, and what what do you want? Like, yeah. what do you want? And then the biggest obstacle, and I always see two things that stop people. One is insecurity. So not feeling the confidence mm -hmm. that they can do something, mm -hmm. which then takes them back to self awareness and resilience and experiences so in life. Right? Yeah. It's all connected. Or fear, fear of change, which again brings me back to that experience and that exposure. And uh, as you're young, because if you change often, you're gonna build that tough skin, and you'll you'll probably find that thing that you really want to focus on. And then also, you know that if you don't want to focus on that thing anymore, it's okay to change, and the world does not fall apart. And and everybody who's in their 30s or 40s right now, you can reinvent yourself two, three times if you wanted to. But what happens? We get comfortable mm -hmm. and then fear kicks in and that's an emotion and we need to recognize it's just an emotion. And to overcome the fear, little steps, small habits, consistency to get to where you want to go. True. And perfect example for this is say Jeff Bezos, right? He was at, you know, top of the peak of his career. He was making decent salary. I've heard it was somewhere near six figures, over six figures. And then he decided, okay, I want to start selling books online. Mm -hmm. Such a massive change from being in finance to selling books online. But I think he did it. So the point I'm trying to make is it is okay to change even when you're say 30, 40, 50. It's when everyone has their, you know, own time. The, the, you know, you, you can change the world, as you rightly said, isn't going to fall apart, right? Yeah. And it, I, I had a student, and we had a little debate. I was delivering a session to the university here, and and he said, you know, Lena, everybody talks about, you know, the success stories of Jeff Bezos and and these guys, and he said, but that's, you know, they had, you know, whatever it is, or, or they had, or they're an anomaly, and mm -hmm. this is not the norm. And I'm like, yes, these are the guys we hear about, but there's a lot of regular people we don't hear about. You just don't hear about them. So there's yeah, a I lot mean, more examples yeah, out there. Like, absolutely. it's completely doable. Like, you can do a lot of things. It's just mm -hmm. at the end of the day, having the perseverance and that mindset to continue doing and being strategic. So, you know, you can you need to make a change, right? But it doesn't, some people will do six months, some people will take you three years, right? Like change is not easy in general and it takes different, it takes a, a different amount of time for everybody, so. Absolutely. So, you know, in my sort of, again, recent interview with Jeff Biter, I discussed how, say, 50% of the workforce as of now is, uh, you know, is made up of millennials. And according to Forbes, by 2025, that number will increase to, say, 75%. So what everyone needs to understand is that millennials and Gen Z are the future, right? There's no avoiding them. But when you read a report by Gallup, which says 81% are, say, dissatisfied, and immediately everyone uh, sort of 
places the blame on, say, millennials. Why? Because, and they've sort of given them the label of being lazy, being, you know, wanting constant praise, and being transient in nature. But that's not the case. So uh, what uh, the question would be is that, um, how do you, can, how can, say, companies ensure that millennials are Gen Z are not only happy with their jobs, but they're thriving at their jobs? And if the companies fail to make any change, what should the uh, workforce workers do, millennials do. That brings me, I didn't answer your question on the HR, like what should HR uh, keep to, or to do to kind of retain that talent? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think that HR also, so what usually, and I think it was Simon Sinek who talks about it, and, and it's, he's very right. Uh, this is what I see in organizations as well. We focus a lot on performance of somebody versus like the trust level or the personality of somebody. So we focus a lot on high performance. And I was actually talking to a friend who, is, uh, who comes from an L&D profession. And he said, what happens with these high performers is that they're really good, let's say it's sales. And what happens is that because they're good at this area, uh, their bosses will keep pushing like trainings on them. And then what happens is because we they're really good at this, but doesn't necessarily they need more of other stuff, like leave them as they are. But there's a lot of other people in your company that might be a little bit quieter, that might not be the higher performance, but they have really high potential. Sure. So if you just invest in them, they might be your high performance in specific areas. But because business is so like metrics and we need to make money, beautiful, I agree, we need to make money, but also there's ways to make money and keep the good talent because good talent is very difficult to find and it's even harder to keep. Mm-hmm. So uh, organizations really need to have that personalized approach. They, they need to work towards that, which is where technology helps. Um, because of the mass of the number of employees, it's very difficult to have the personalized approach. Approach, but like some of the things we're doing with, with, with our startup is we're creating those personalized journeys using technology, using an app. So it's it's almost like there are ways to have that personalized approach to help people figure out their own potential and also to to develop every like essentially the majority of the of the workforce versus the top performers. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Uh, on the millennial side, so are some millennials wanting things very fast? Yes. So there is that patience piece. I think for young people, myself included, I'm 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 not very patient because I'm just always like I want to get things done. Um, and for millennials, it's, I think it's even more. So it's understandable, but t- things take time. So mm-hmm. I think on that side, we need to keep in mind. For HR people, we need to keep in mind that for millennials, the salary is not the number one thing anymore. It's that flexibility, it's that freedom, it's that uh, creating, it's um, having that purpose, it's beyond that for them. So now we even see less and less millennials are um, uh, buying homes, for example, compared to before. So even if you have that well-paying job, before you might be, you know, once you kind of get that salary, your next step is to get that house. And sort of so we don't see that anymore we're we're getting married a little bit later we're having children a little bit later we focus more on that sort of finding what we want to do creating products creating services so we need to find different ways you cannot put a bring a millennial and kind of keep them behind the desk and expect them to be excited and come to work you're gonna bore them yeah. so also the recruitment process needs to change we focus a lot on things that don't show uh we need to focus on potential again and that is a bigger issue because a lot of hr a lot of recruitment people don't have the basic psychology skills to evaluate somebody i'm talking about i'm not talking about a psychology degree i'm talking about basic human interaction skills because hr is still one of those positions that is uh 
easier to fill than others. You have people that don't have any background in behavior sciences or any of these things in human interactions and social skills filling HR roles. So it's almost like they just tick the boxes. Mm -hmm. And we see this across board. And if you have individuals that are at your forefront of bringing the best talent and all they're looking to do is tick your boxes, there's your problem. You cannot, and, and, and it costs thousands and thousands of dollars to recruit talent. Yep. And so, and a lot of companies are spending a lot of money recruiting talent by ticking the boxes and not seeing beyond the boxes. Mm -hmm. And that takes a skill on the HR side. Mm -hmm. That's amazing advice. So, you know, I asked you for your utopian view vision for education. Similarly, what's your, say, utopian view for the future of work in 10 years from now? Um, my utopian view for the future of work is I hope that companies, organizations, leaders understand that unless they take care of the personal and the personal development of their employees, so having that support. So I think it is an individual job. Absolutely, it's 100% your responsibility. Mm -hmm. But if again, if you want your business to prosper, you need to align your vision of the company with the individual's vision. So it means as a leader, A, you need to practice what you're preaching. So you cannot be the leader that talks about trust and then you don't, you're not transparent with your teams or talk about empathy and then you're sending your team emails at 2 a.m. and you think that's a acceptable right like schedule them if you need to like don't send them because you're sending the wrong message to your team about well-being so uh, on that side then we need to also understand that well-being correlates directly with productivity of your staff and if your staff is 71% disconnected meaning that you have people that are just sitting there bodies in front of a computer you're paying them a lot of money and um, they're not producing because you didn't take time to figure out what is it that they're good at mm -hmm. beyond what you've given them meaning that you also need to have that safe and the psychological safety in your company so that people do feel like they can open up and share with you if they're not happy in their particular role or if they're struggling and they need further development. So investing in your people in the right way. Right now, we're spending thousands of dollars per employee each year on average. It's three thousand, over a little bit over $3,000 companies spend on, on employee development and multinationals. This is mm -hmm. average out there. Some are less, some are more. And we, with no ROI, we're putting people in a group of 20, 20, 20 people in a group to do soft skill sessions. I'm telling you because I, 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 do, I do some of these sessions and I can see the impact is very little. And it's not even about the instructor, maybe a part of it could be the delivery aspect, the methods used, but a big part of it is that we don't retain information and you cannot expect people to develop uh, when there are, let's say, 20 people in the room, 10 of them have taken this course before, 10 of them don't know about it. Yeah. And you want them to walk out there with the same, uh, the, with, with an ability to do, it's, it's unrealistic, yeah, it's yeah. a waste of time and money. So personalized approach, uh, human approach, and pre giving them support when they need it the most. And with technology, it makes it accessible and affordable for all. So it's about making it a priority instead of keep spending money on the, uh, on other things or the yoga mats, uh, like the joke in the Fitbits in the office. <laughs> Invest in something in that personalized approach. Mm -hmm. Future is individual, and that is how your business will grow. And we need to understand that if you want your business to grow, you need to invest in, in the person behind your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that goes for the education as well. I mean, if uh, universities and school, they want to remain uh, relevant, they need to start providing a very personalized way of learning rather than putting 30, 40 people in one classroom and expecting all of them to learn at the same rate and then, you know, show the same result. It's just not realistic, as you said. So you discuss a lot of this on your Instagram. So uh, where can uh, people find you? Obviously, I'll put the links in the description. But if you'd like to, please. 
Sure, uh, LinkedIn is my main platform. So Instagram, you know, I have to be there some kind of there. But uh, uh, LinkedIn is my main platform. So LinkedIn, I, I do a lot of uh, content on LinkedIn. Uh, this is where I really engage with audience. So LinkedIn is probably the best, the best one. Uh, I'll put that in the description. So finally, I think we're done with the time as well. So what's your final one piece, uh, one key piece of advice uh, for say students and young professionals? Uh, Self-awareness and experiment. Hi there, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real World Education Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to support us. If you think that this can help your loved ones, please don't be shy and just share it with them as word of mouth is another great way to support us. Follow me on LinkedIn by simply searching for my name, Rajdeep Singh. I'm doing a 52-week challenge where I'm going to be posting a new video each week. You can also follow me on Instagram at rajdeep.1997 or on Spotify by searching for my name. Until next time, this is your host, Rajdeep Singh, signing off.